Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful week so far. Hope everyone had a wonderful July 4th extended holiday as well. Hopefully people enjoy barbecue, fireworks, poolside, family, friends. Hopefully it was an entertaining weekend for everyone. A lot of stuff that I want to get into on the podcast today. I'm going to be going over some trending trailers that have come out over the last couple of days even though it's been a short week due to the holiday still some big trailers for some big films coming out later in the year even going into early 2024 i'm also going to be getting into my most anticipated films coming in july there's a lot of big highly anticipated big summer blockbusters that are going to be in store for us over the next couple weeks as we get into the second half of the summer movie season so we'll get into ones that i'm really looking forward to and what i think that you should have on your radar for this month and much more but the first thing that I do want to talk about on the podcast today and it's something that I haven't talked about over the last two weeks since it's been out on Disney plus and that is to kind of give my just my first overall initial thoughts on what I've been thinking of the latest MCU Disney plus show in secret invasion which is starred Samuel Jackson Ben Mendelsohn reprising their roles of Nick Fury and Talos who was introduced in Captain Marvel also introducing some newcomers in legendary performers like Emily uh, Amelia Clark, Olivia Coleman, Bing, Bensley King, Adir. You also have new returning members from the MCU like Don Cheadle is in this, Martin Freeman, Colby Smulders has been advertised to be in the show as well. So it's just an amazing cast that is really in front of this project that I really am was looking forward to when seeing the project. And it's been one of the more anticipated MCU shows that I've been really kind of looking forward to. And I think given the rocky nature of these Disney Plus MCU shows, this was one that was more so on my radar even when it was initially announced back on the Disney Investor Day in 2020 and it kind of subverted my expectations for what I thought the show was going to be. I thought given the little that I know about the comic book that this name is adapted from which basically the overall gist is that scrolls have kind of come down to earth and have taken the identities of people amongst us so you don't know who's a scroll who's a human and that's the basic gist from the the, the comic book event that this is based off of and I thought this was going to be kind of a, a big sci-fi kind of adventure that we were going to be getting with Nick Fury and Talos but it was something that they completely went in the other direction and it was something that I was actually happy about because it was going back to what I really do enjoy about the MCU especially in the early onset days of this universe which was kind of going back to that gritty espionage thriller aspect that I liked in some of the other movies that they did in Captain America the Winter Soldier even the first Iron Man film and some of these other movies even something like Black Panther which does have some sci-fi mystical elements but is very much also somewhat kind of grounded in its roots as well and so those are the kind of things that I wish Marvel would kind of go back to a little bit and I I'm I was really excited to see that they were doing that a bit with this show even though it was dealing with aliens a little bit still the way that the nature of the show has been kind of going on it definitely was getting more to that grounded grittiness that i saw in some of the early movies that i really do think are top tier marvel films and some of my favorite comic book films of all time as well so looking at the trailer seeing this i was hoping that this would deliver and through three episodes and again this is going to be non-spoiler for anyone that hasn't seen any of the episodes yet no details will be given but so far through the first initial three episodes 
I really have enjoyed what I've been seeing. I don't think this is the best MCU Disney Plus show so far. I don't think this is the best, one of the better overall properties in Marvel that has kind of come over the last couple of months or even years. But I do think that it is off to a very strong start. I would kind of give through the three episodes, I would say one and two, I really enjoyed together more so than episode three. I thought episode three felt very much more kind of standalone in its initial kind of story and it was very much kind of a a episode or, or kind of a, a story of the week kind of thing that they have to do in that episode and I felt like in the long run didn't really kind of push the plot forward any more than the other two episodes already did but still I think overall the show has really really started off really really good and the things that really stood out to me the most is what I just talked about is the cast itself again you see the list of people that are in this show you would think they would come to play and they really do I think the it was such a smart decision by Kevin Feige and the executives over at Marvel that they knew what they had in Captain Marvel with the you could see the the growing friendship between Talos and Nick Fury and that chemistry between Ben Mendelsohn and Samuel Jackson and they wanted to do more with it and they definitely in, incorporate that within this show and it's the it's the it's the main event as you would say between these two characters they are the stars and and their chemistry is just dynamic. I mean, they just have great banter with one another. They have really good emotional moments together as well. But they're also very witty together. They have some great one-liners. I don't know if maybe some of it's if uh, of it might be off script or on script. Whatever the case may be, these two really do have legitimately awesome chemistry together. And through the first three episodes, that's really the thing that has stood out to me the most. And I really have enjoyed what they've been able to kind of mine with that so far in Secret Invasion. In terms of some of the newcomers that have come around in this show, to me, the big one is Amelia Clark, who is just, she's just a great actress. I mean, everything she's been in from Game of Thrones to some of the other movies and TV shows that, that she has done throughout the last couple of years post Game of Thrones has been really good. Even though some of the projects themselves might not be that good, she is great in a lot of this stuff. And so here, she's combined with what I think is a, is a pretty good story so far, mixed in with some great character work as well in who she is playing. And I just think she does a great job of towing the line of allegiances that she's having to the the rebellion of scrolls and then the relationship she has with Nick Fury and Talos. I think it, it, it evolves what we've seen in previous MCU properties and, and does a great job in terms of the connection between other movies and potential TV shows as well. And she's just given some good things to do and I'm hoping that that continues moving forward in the second half of this show. In terms of villains, I do have to say, even though I don't know necessarily the history of the comic book iteration of this character, even if there is one, but for someone who I didn't know anything about and I didn't know what the villain was going to be going into the show, Ben, ben Kingsley Adir as as Gravik has been one of the better, in terms of TV MCU villains, he's definitely one of the better ones so far. And I think the backstory that they give him in terms of, again, the relationship between Fury and Talos and the history of the scrolls is very interesting. And I think he gives a very good stoic performance so far. And you don't know which direction he's going to be going into necessarily for the most part. And I think so far it gives a good ambiguous 
ambiguousness for the audience of, of kind of seeping into the espionage element of who's who's who. You don't know what this person's going to do. What's his motive is going to be? What does he know? What does he not know? Does he know that this person's allegiance has changed and and all this stuff that goes with it? And I think he do, he does a really good job of showcasing that and showcasing the right amount of personality within this character that we see throughout these three episodes so far. So for me, Ben Kingsley, a deer who we'll also talk about a little later on in the show in terms of a new movie that he's got coming out next year. He gives a really good performance so far in this show, and I liked his other stuff recently as well. He was in One Night in Miami. He was in a few other things as well, but One Night in Miami is the one that stuck out to me. But so far, he's in a very good job as the main villain in this show. Another person that is just great in anything that she is in is, of course, award winner Olivia Coleman, who, to me, she's very good in the show so far, but my only concern moving forward and what I've seen so far in these three episodes is that she's hopefully not, hopefully this doesn't happen, but she's sort of kind of falling to place where when she's in the show, she's amazing, but there's not enough of her in the show so far. And I think the relationship that she has with Nick Fury and the dynamic, kind of like with Ben Mendelsohn and, and, and Samuel L. Jackson, the chemistry between Coleman and Jackson is just as amazing. And the way that they're kind of able to play off of each other and you just buy everything that they're talking about and the history that they're that they are kind of giving the audiences in those conversations is enthralling and it's amazing. And I hope we get more that from Olivia Coleman. She definitely does a lot, I think, in the first two episodes. You see, she has a big presence, but episode three, she kind of took a little bit more of a backseat. So I'm hoping as we get to the final three episodes, she is a very big part to play in the story that goes on here in this show. So again, the cast is amazing. The story elements so far, I think, are fairly good. They're not the strongest elements out of all the kind of MCU properties, TV movies that have come out over the years. The the story is sometimes a little uneven, but I do like this what where they are kind of going towards, and I also like the kind of MCU history that they're giving us within the show, specifically when it comes to Nick Fury and his and his days at Shield, really, and, and talking about really what went behind his spy network, how he kind of was able to get information, and I think it does a great job of fitting the scrolls within kind of the the history of Shield and Nick and the MCU throughout those first couple of phases and I think they've done a really good job of that so far where I'm not questioning well this might not make sense here this might not make sense here they're they're able to kind of thread certain easter eggs throughout that make poignant sense of why this is happening why this this might have happened this person had this hand to play in this role and so I think they've done a really good job of utilizing that so far and I think actually there have been some very good surprises and I think one of the fun things and the nature the aspect of the show would see Secret Invasion is the fact that you do kind of get to play the who is and who isn't kind of game of is this major MCU character a scroll is this person a scroll is this person just a human is this person not a human and it plays into that mystery level aspect that the show is kind of toggling with right now and I really like that about itself and I think it, episode three leaves itself in a cliffhanger 
where you're wondering certain things and it, it might make you rethink certain things about the MCU's history in a little bit. And I think that's what this show is utilizing. So I think so far this show has done a really good job of living up to expectations, but also playing itself in a different way that hasn't been done in the MCU before. And I think they also give us a Nick Fury that is kind of weathered and, and somebody who isn't as... Uh, his eye isn't on the ball like he used to be and I think you need to have that evolution in people and I think again it just showcases the magnitude of the event of something like the blip in Infinity War and Endgame that can have on everybody including a person like Nick Fury where somebody who is always trying to stay ahead of everything whether it's aliens and protecting this earth or other threats and creating the Avengers or, or trying to make sure that S.H.I.E.L.D. is on top of its game and making sure that earth is protected he wasn't able to do that in at the end of infinity war and he got dusted for it and now it's affected him and what he knows and he's 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 somebody else now and i like that aspect that they're playing with at this moment in time and i think when you see a lot of these characters that go through that right now whether it's a nick fury or a luke skywalker or even this past weekend with indiana jones you get a lot of these characters that we know very well in their youth but when they're older and they're more weathered what are they like and when they go through traumatic experiences or something happens to them in their life that really turns their characterization around a little bit and so i really like that they're going in that direction with nick fury but i'm hoping at the end of it because we know that he's going to be in the marvels where does that heel turn come back to where he snaps himself back into the nick fury that we know so that journey i'm really interested to see as we continue on but the one thing that i continue to hold against these shows and even though this is six episodes it still worries me is okay we're telling the story right now and i gotta say also the length of the episode so far are perfect it's telling the story that it's needing to tell and i'm hoping that continues with the next three episodes as they they tell the story that they need to tell and by the end because to me the ending of these shows is what always gets me me because it feels like we're, we're on a good pace we're on a good pace but how are we going to finish all this up in five six episodes and then by the ending it feels like it's all kind of jam-packing itself into the finale and it's rushed so i'm hoping that these next three episodes tell the story out and are able to tell a complete story in this show but also of course leave things where they need to be for the marvels or whatever else they're trying to set up with this show moving forward as well so but again really enjoy the first three episodes. I'm really, really liking it. I think given what happened with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, going back to what we all know and love in Marvel, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, I think this show is another great example of being in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but doing something new and different and having some great dynamics along the way as well. So really enjoying the show so far. Definitely check it out when you have a chance and enjoy the first three episodes that are out right now for Secret Invasion. If you guys have watched the show so far what do you guys think about the first few episodes of marvel studios secret invasion let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts now to move away from the review corner of the podcast and move over to some hollywood new movie news that is going on in the industry and to go into some trending trailers that have come out over the last couple of days and even though it is a short week because of the july 4th weekend still hollywood wants to get some of these films ramped up and ready to go 
And the first one that I want to talk about is for probably one of the bigger, most anticipated films that come out once the fall movie season approaches in October specifically. And that is, of course, the brand new epic from Martin Scorsese himself, Killers of the Flower Moon. We just had a trailer come out about a month or two ago when it debuted at the Cannes Film Festival. That was an amazing teaser trailer, really kind of, I think, emphasizing what Marty Scorsese wants to tell in this new movie that he's doing. It is based off of a nonfiction book from called The Killers of the Flower Moon from the Osage County. And this is basically kind of the telling of power oil natives in their land and basically the white man coming in to corrupt it basically and taking what is rightfully other people's property and I was wondering what Scorsese would do with another trailer and he just continued to do what you should do with trailers which is evolve what impressed you the most about the first trailer and it seems like from these two trailers this is going to be A, the next great big Scorsese epic and it seems like Scorsese is blending in all these different types of areas and filmmaking that you would see from a movie like this. It very much reminds me in terms of a Scorsese film, like his mom movies, like kind of Goodfellas in a way, Casino, also combined with in the likes of something like There Will Be Blood a little bit and what Paul Thomas Anderson did with that film and also very much gives me vibes of Gangs of the New York a little bit and it's not just because of Leonardo DiCaprio the the mood the color tone the vibe the costume setting it all very much kind of feels like that movie and it just seems like a great combination of what Scorsese wants to do with this film and I know from the book itself it seems like Scorsese has taken some liberties with the actual source material. And I think the the novel itself takes place from the perspective of people trying to solve these crimes within the Osage County. But this very much seems like it's going to be about the relationship between Leonardo DiCaprio's character and the character that Lily Gladstone is playing, who is a native from the Osage County. And the, the romance that blossoms between these two, but also the different viewpoints and the different philosophies and cultures that these two people come from. And I think it's a smart idea for Scorsese to, to, again, what he does well is focus on these characters and human elements and to kind of direct the relationship to make this the focal point of this movie, I think is a very smart idea. And everything that I've heard about this film, it's A, that Leonardo DiCaprio, per usual, gives a phenomenal performance, potentially, from what I've heard, the performance of his career, which is saying something given the resume of a Leonardo DiCaprio, but also the fact that the main takeaway from this film, the big breakout star, because usually in a film like this, you usually get a breakout star that nobody saw coming that just shocks people. And it seems like this film is the one and only Lily Gladstone stone so I'm, I'm excited to see their performances but everything i've seen from them looks amazing de niro looks awesome seeing the chemistry and the interactions between dicaprio and de niro who are really when you look at martin scorsese resume the two people that he's worked with probably the most in his career are probably in the late or even nowadays is de niro and in the kind of 2000s age of scorsese's filmography it's dicaprio but from the 80s the 70s 80s 90s it was de niro 
And from the modern day, it's been DiCaprio. And so just to see the two of them interact has been amazing to see. Jesse Plemons is in this film as well. He looks like he's going to be playing more of like kind of the lawman investigating these murders. But I'm really excited for this film. I'm also excited in the fact that it's going to be seen, it can be seen on the biggest screen possible in a movie theater. And this is going to be the first big film that's going to be under the new kind of agreement that Apple TV Plus is doing where they're not just going to be putting these kinds of films out on their streaming platform first, they're going to be following the format of what movie studios are going to be doing, where they're going to be putting these films out in theaters first, and then after a period of time, they will be finding their way exclusively onto their streaming services. Apple TV Plus is doing this with Killers. It's also doing it with Napoleon later this year as well, the film from Ridley Scott and Joaquin Phoenix, and Amazon is also going to be doing that moving forward as well with about 10 or 12 of their films. They're going to give them proper budgets in terms of market spending, for the promotional campaign. And so all this is just really, really exciting to see. And I love that Apple TV Plus is going to be giving this the biggest screen it possibly can be given to. I've heard that it could be getting an IMAX rollout, which would be interesting given the fact that in its same weekend on October 6th, Craven the Hunter is going to be coming out as well. And given that that is a comic book film from Sony, it seems like that is going to be for a lot of the majority IMAX, excuse me, the IMAX screen so far. But I think if we can get an IMAX theater for this film, it would be amazing. And I'm definitely going to be seeing this in a movie theater because it, it seems like what Scorsese has given into it is everything. And it seems like the money that is spent on this, and it's a big budget, I believe it's probably around 200 or so million dollars that this film was made on. And we all know that in today's day and age, those budgets are a little outlandish for some of these films, but Scorsese seems like he puts a lot into this movie and seems like every dime was utilized in the best way possible. So I'm very excited for this film and I'm very excited to see where they can go with it as it is again hitting theaters on October 6th and then hitting Apple TV Plus. Then to move on to some of the other trending trailers that are coming out right now, we of course also have the first trailer for the Bob Marley biopic that is going to be coming out later next year, specifically January 12th, and it is called Bob Marley One Love. It is going to be directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green, who, if that name sounds familiar, that was a director that directed a little known film that came out a couple years ago that won Will Smith the Oscar for Best Act called King Richard about the famous father of Venus and Serena Williams and Richard Williams. So now he takes on another kind of biopic in Bob Marley, and it stars an awesome cast that, funny enough, talking about someone that we talked about earlier, Kingsley Ben-Adir will be playing the name of Bob Marley himself as well. So we have that going for us, and we also have Lashana Lynch, who is going to be playing Bob Marley's wife. And looking at this trailer, I really dug what we saw so far. The only thing that gives me a little kind of cause to pause when it comes to these biopics is the fact that they usually kind of sway to be a little bit more good than you might want to, especially when it comes to these singers. We know that there's some history when it comes to these singers, and in the biopics, we usually don't get a whole lot of that. And so I was, I'm really looking forward to seeing maybe we get some of that and seeing in the trailer. It seems like we're really going to be getting into what made Bob Marley who he is, the inspirations that he took from, especially from his home country, and wanted to bring positivity and love into the world through his music and of course 
all of his music is very iconic. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing what this is going to do. Ben, Kingsley Benadir looks to be absolutely amazing in this movie. And he looks like a, a legitimately awesome Bob Marley. He looks the part. He sounds the part. He gives a great performance, it seems like, through the, the couple scenes that we see him in in this trailers. And But the one thing that is curious for me is that this film is coming out on, on January 12th of 2024, but no award season run, no nothing for this right now. So it just leaves me a little curious that if if the people behind this film had an, enough confidence in it, they would want it to come out a little bit earlier to give it an award season run. And maybe they will. Maybe a couple of months from now, they'll say, hey, this film is actually having a limited run in December and then coming out wide in January 12th. Maybe that's what they're going to do. But right now, I don't know if I like that release date for the film but in general just looking at this trailer the film looks very very good and I'm excited to check it out when it hits on January 12th right now of 2024 and then the final trailer that I want to talk about that came from the trending trailers this week is one that actually came out earlier this morning as well and that is for the sequel to the highest grossing film in the Conjuring universe The Nun 2 which is a sequel to the hit again hit moving the nun a couple years ago it's a part of one of the most unexpected franchises to come out of hollywood in the last couple of years alongside something like john wick and that is the conjuring universe which has grossed a little over two billion dollars in the eight films that have come out so far and the nun is going to make it a, the ninth film in the conjuring universe it's going to be directed by michael chavez who is all he does in terms of his directing resume is dip his toes into the Conjuring Universe. He directed The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It a couple years ago, and he also did The Curse of La Llorona, which was his directorial debut. This film sees the return of Tiesa Farmiga, who is the sister of Vera Farmiga, who is also in The Conjuring Universe, specifically the main storyline Conjuring films. It also is set to introduce a new character who's going to be played by up-and-comer Storm Reed, who is a, an amazing actress. And again, I'm somebody who is not necessarily a big horror person i have evolved in my horror watching abilities of enjoying some horror thriller movies like a scream or something like ari aster does like midsommar but it it takes a lot for me to see a film like this and for me personally i might want to wait to see this when it comes out on streaming because the trailers for this one or at least this first trailer just looks horrifyingly good like it just looks scary and intense and i don't know if i can see sit myself down for 90 plus minutes to watch this movie through and through so that's a credit to what michael chavez is doing in this film the film looks very scary it looks like it's continuing on what we know for the conjuring films i really like some of the jump scares that they had in the in the trailer and showcase to us it was some of them were a little too quiet for me but they worked to great effect i think and i think the work in terms of playing this trailer out in movie theaters i think fans will enjoy it and then, unlike with the the Bob Marley biopic in terms of the release date, I do like the release date for The Nun 2, taking that September 8th slot right after Labor Day weekend. And so you might get people that want to kind of get back into the movie theater-going habit coming off of the summer movie season. And that was a, a, a slot that horror did really well in years ago, pre-pandemic, when the It films came out in that, in that slot period. So we'll see if The Nun is able to capitalize on it. And the first Nun, 
did capitalize in that window as well. So Warner Brothers knows what they're doing with this film. They probably have a lot of confidence in it, and it looks very good, and I think horror fans are really going to enjoy this one. I think fans of this franchise are going to enjoy it, and I think so far it's off to a really good start in terms of delivering what people want in The Nun 2. What do you guys think about all these trending trailers that have come out so far? Which one was your favorite? Was it The Killers of the Flower Moon? Was it the Bob Marley One Love trailer? Or was it the trailer for The Nun 2? Which one did you enjoy? Did you watch any of them? Let me know down below and leave your thoughts. And the final thing that I want to talk about on the podcast today is to get into some of the films that I'm looking forward to in the month of July. Now, we're coming off of an insane month of June that had basically a blockbuster every weekend from Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse to kick off the month to the following week in Transformers Rise of the Beast to the following week we had The Flash and we had Elemental then the following week not in terms of huge blockbusters but we did have a movie star driven comedy and No Hard Feelings with Jennifer Lawrence and then to wrap it all up we had the final film in the Indiana Jones saga Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny while some of those films did well than others at the box office that's not what we're talking about today we're talking about the most anticipated films of what we're looking forward to and so going from the month of June to July it's just going to pick right back up as some of the more anticipated films of I think a lot of people's year list are coming out in the month of July so these are the ones that I'm really looking forward to and the ones that I think you should be looking out for given this month and so to kick it all off in the month of July is coming in at my number five spot and it's one that's coming in more towards the back half of the month and it's actually a streaming film that I'm very much looking forward to and it is the Netflix film They Cloned Tyrone which is written and directed by Jewel Taylor and it is starring John Boyega, Tiana Parrish and Jamie Foxx and also Kiefer Sutherland as well who's one of my favorite actors and of course seeing Jamie Foxx in this is is amazing giving everything that he's going through right now with his health but this has been a film that I've been hearing a lot about over the last couple of years and I've been seeing a lot of first look images for it and I finally we finally got to see a trailer a few months ago and I really like what they're going for that for with this movie where it is very much kind of a an a inspiration of the black the the black exploitation films of the 70s but telling I think a more modern a modern story that fits well in the society that we live in today it looks funny it looks interesting I love the costumes and design and the feel of the world so this is one that is kind of probably my wild card of, of what I'm looking forward to and one that I'm, I'm really excited to see come the month of July. But moving into number four is a film that is actually coming out this weekend. And it's kind of the reason why I didn't want to just do a straight to weekend preview because I wanted to do this preview for the month. And this film was already on here, so I get to talk about it anyway. And that is the comedy, what I think will be the comedy of the summer, hopefully in the film Joyride, which is written and directed by Adele Lim, who also was one of the writers on the film. It also, you have Teresa Heiso as well. It stars an incredible ensemble that includes the four leading ladies in Ashley Park, Sherry Cola, Stephanie Hsu, and Sabrina Wu. And the trailers for this one have just been amazing. I love everything that I've seen about this movie so far. The reviews have been off the charts. I've heard nothing but great things in a de- since it debuted at CinemaCon back in April. And I'm just really, really excited about this one. I'm a big fan of Stephanie Hsu, especially coming off of Everything Everywhere All at once and her lead or supporting actress nomination for that movie. 
But everything about this has been amazing. Everything that I love about a comedy, which is just raunchy, over the top, out there, outlandish, fun. And I think this is the film that hopefully can break through and be a legitimately great, successful, financially successful comedy that can do very, very well. Because I think we need those right now. And comedies are just, they're very, very rare to do very well right now. This isn't back in 2009, 2010, where you had rom-coms like The Proposal doing very well with two main stars and Ryan Reynolds or Sandra Bullock or even a comedy, a breakout, legitimately break out comedy in The Hangover, which made a superstar out of somebody like a Bradley Cooper and I think really put Todd Phillips on the map as well. You don't have those anymore. So I'm hoping this film can be that and it just looks amazing and awesome. And it's also from Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg's production company as well. And they usually know the films that audiences will enjoy, whether it's on TV or in movies. And so I'm hoping this one can do really, really well and kind of break through. So that's the number four film that I'm looking forward to in July and definitely one that you should check out. Now, coming in at number three on this list is one that is on my most anticipated for all of 2023. It was my number eight film in terms of just ones that I'm really looking forward to overall. A trailer had not come out for it yet. I didn't know what to expect really. And that is, of course, the insanely amazing look of Barbie. And this is a film that is written and directed or co-written and directed overall by Greta Gerwig. It was also written by Noah Baumbach. And it has an A-list, A-list cast that includes and stars Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, America Ferreira, Kate McKinnon, Michael Sarah, Ariana Greenblatt, Issa Rae, Will Ferrell, Emma McKay, Alexandria Ship, Kingsley Benadir. Speaking of, this guy is going to have an amazing summer and in 2024. Simu Leo, Dua Lipa, Helen Mirren. I mean, it's just an insane, insane cast. And the marketing campaign for this film has just been absolutely off the charts. It is probably the marketing campaign of the summer of the year so far, just really being an interactive way for audiences to be excited about this film. I think it's going to be a breakaway hit for the year that's going to do a lot better than people are thinking it's going to do. We had this conversation about a week or so ago on the podcast in terms of Barbie and another film that will obviously be on my list. We'll talk about it in a minute. But for Barbie, I just love the trailers that have come out for this one. And I'm just waiting again. I'm still waiting for the other shooter drop with this film, not for it to be bad, but that there's more to it than what we've been getting so far. And I think there's going to be a real deep emotional human element to this film, especially when you get somebody like Greta Gerwig and even Noah Baumbach to write this script alongside her and do this film, you don't get two prestigious writers, directors like that to do a film like this unless they have something to say about it. And so all of it just gets me very, very excited. I'm I'm very much looking forward to it, and which is why it was number eight on my most anticipated list when I did my anticipated list earlier in the year and why it's number three on my most anticipated for the month of July. The second film on this list is actually my number two most anticipated film of 2023 and that of course is the latest in the Mission Impossible franchise Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 I'm somebody who just loves the Mission Impossible films I'm also a big fan of the TV show that came out in the 60s I think what Tom Cruise and specifically also the, the dynamic duo of Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie what they've been able to do over the course of Mission Impossible 5, 6 and 7 is really just 
push the pedal to the metal with this franchise and make it the premier action franchise in Hollywood right now. Whether it's hanging off the side of a of a plane or Halo jumping out of a out of a plane or when you're jumping off of buildings and breaking your ankle, it just he's able to deliver great, insane, amazing action sequences while also I think legitimately delivering great story elements, delivering in the twists and the turns of all the missions and what these characters are able to do as well. The chemistry between everyone has been amazing and leading into Dead Reckoning Part 1, the trailers have looked just top tier Mission Impossible and the stunts just somehow keep getting crazier. So as long as Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise are doing this film, these films, I will be all in. The buzz for this one has been amazing so it is very much number two on my list but it can't knock off the number one film that I am looking forward to this July and it is my most anticipated film of 2023. It is finally coming out this month. It is the latest from who I think is the best director still in the game today in Christopher Nolan with his latest film Oppenheimer which tells the story of Oppenheimer who built the atomic bomb and basically is is somebody who was very much a foundational player in the kind of modern warfare bomb making that we see today when it comes to nuclear warheads, nuclear bombs. Oppenheimer is one of the chief technicians of that and in, 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 in exploiting and creating nuclear weapons. And so the, the telling of the story of J. Robert Oppenheimer is something that I'm fascinated to see. And it's going to be great to see what Nolan is going to be able to do of telling kind of a biopic film, but make it in his own style that's delivering on making a biopic, but is still big and grand in scope and scale that only Nolan would know how to do. He's pushing the envelope once again when it comes to IMAX, kind of delivering for the first time black and white IMAX iconography that has not been utilized on those cameras before. He pushes the level every single time. So this is one for me that I'm very much looking forward to. And coming off of films like Tenet and Interstellar and Inception, which are very much sci-fi based, seeing him kind of go back to the World War II roots that I think he did exceptionally well with with Dunkirk, I'm excited to see what he's going to be doing with a biopic like this. And like Barbie... Again, these the, that that week on July 21st truly delivers to me what I think are some of the best A-list talent on paper that I have ever truly seen, at least in a long, long time. And like Barbie, Oppenheimer delivers people like Cillian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Rami Malek, Florence Pugh, Benny Safdie, Josh Harnett, Kenneth Branagh, Dylan Arnold, Alden Ehrenreich, Matthew Modine, Josh Peck, all Jack Quaid. All these people are somehow involved. Involved in this film, whether it's a big role or or a, a one second cameo in the film, they are somehow involved in this movie, and all of it comes from the mind of Christopher Nolan. Now, this is based off of a 2005 biography by Kai Bird and Martin J. Sherwin from American Prometheus, but I'm I'm really excited to see what Nolan is going to be able to do with a film like this. And so that weekend is just going to be a double feature extravaganza. It's it's truly going to be something amazing to see, and I think every film film fans dream of seeing two films like this come from two amazing auteur driven directors in both Christopher Nolan and Greta Gerwig and seeing what they're going to be able to do with these figures in a way because even though Oppenheimer isn't based off of a property like Barbie is Oppenheimer is a figure and a historical figure and Barbie maybe not a historical figure but she's a figure within the confines of pop culture she's been that that doll and the the, the 
world that Mattel has always put out there has been around for decades, generations. And so to see these two people go at it and do this, do the do their films in completely different styles on the same weekend is just gonna be it's just gonna be amazing. And it's one that I've looked forward to. I'm happy that none of these films pulled away from this release date. They're sticking to their guns, and I'm excited to see what film comes out to- out on top. I want both of them either way to do successful work, but this is going to be a great weekend to see. And for a film fan, again, July 21st is one that you should have red circle colored for your calendar of movie watching and just go see these films multiple times. So I'm really excited. I cannot wait to see this, both of these films on July 21st, but those are my most most anticipated films of both the year and for the month of July that I think you should be looking forward to as well. It is number five, the Cologne Tyrone coming on Netflix, and then the rest of the four are in theaters. Number four is Joyride, number three is Barbie, number two is Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part One, and then number one coming in per usual is the latest from Christopher Nolan in Oppenheimer. So those are my most anticipated for July. Which films are actually you looking forward to on your list? Are they any of the ones that I mentioned? Are they other ones that maybe I didn't I didn't put on my list, but I might be looking forward to? Let me know what you think in the comment section. I love to hear what everyone thinks, what their most anticipated films are for the month of July. But with that down and out of the way, that will do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on here, such as You Mad Bro, the number one sourcing what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, make sure to check out goal-driven professionals, geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, make sure to check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also, along the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, WrestleMania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Bissell Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And also on Facebook at Sam Bissell. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, keep on screening.